Hey, this is Collins Keith, podcast host for the Auburn Plainsman. Welcome back to Sweet 1111. If you didn't catch last week's podcast about Opelika's growth and development over the past 30 years, called The Other Side of the Tracks, be sure to check it out. This week, it's all about Tigerfest, Auburn University's first annual music festival, filled with local and national talent. Trice Brown, our multimedia editor, and I spoke with some of the artists before their performances this past weekend to hear a little bit about their story and background. And in case you couldn't make it at the festival, we've got some live audio from the respective bands for you as well. We spoke to Josh Jackson of Make Sure Music, the guys from Supper Club, and Harry Kane of the student section. Stay with us. The Korea Center King Sejong Institute in the Auburn University Office of International Programs is offering four Korean language courses this fall, from September 13th to December 7th. Each course is $120 and taught on Zoom by a native Korean-speaking instructor. All courses are open to everyone, and the Level 1 course requires no previous Korean-speaking experience. To learn more and register, email auksi at auburn.edu that is A-U-K-S-I at auburn.edu. Josh, who graduated from Auburn in 2019, grew up in Opelika and has always been into music, whether that be from his parents' Christian music catalog or 90s rock bands that his older brother introduced him to. Josh has always known that he wanted to make music, but when he started to write songs when he was 14, he wasn't just making individual songs. He wanted to create something holistic with a story, he said. But I, yeah, I just always wanted to do, like make the thing that I loved, which was records, you know, which was CDs. I wanted to make something that's like, you know, it's, it's a holistic experience from track one to track whatever, you know. It's like, oh, there's like a story in here that kind of, you know, it's like a little movie, but told with sound. Um, so I've always wanted to chase that. And, um, I love, I still love <clears throat> listening to what other people are doing and getting inspired by, you know, there's so much music out there now, it's kind of overwhelming um, how much like, great music there is. Being the youngest of four, Josh was always being exposed to new music from his older siblings and assimilated those new sounds into his own identity mixing CDs from different artists and albums he was listening to and trying to get his friends to listen. As the youngest, he would show his parents his mixed CDs, looking for a little affirmation as he tried to give them a view into the sad and melancholy soul of a 14-year-old, he said. I would make these mixed CDs to like show my parents what I was listening to, which was you know kind of similar to what you're talking Radiohead and Death Cab for Cutie and that stuff. And like, All I really wanted was for them to just affirm that, like, this song is, these songs are so melancholy and beautiful. Now I understand your sad soul <laughs> of a 14-year-old, you know. But, like, all that I would ever get was... They were always affirming. My dad would just be like, good tunes, Joshua. You know, that was all I would ever get. But uh... Starting in 2010, Josh began to dabble into recording music on an old MacBook. While his guitar playing might sound like crap, he said, he could record another guitar on top of the original layering the two and hiding the not-so-great sound of them individually. Learning how to layer sounds is a huge part of making an album, and starting with less-than-stellar equipment taught him a lot of the mechanics behind production, he said. There were points in the beginning where he thought his music sounded good, but Josh said he's very thankful for those who told him the truth about it. 
well, I can tell you there were points I thought it was really good. <laughs> and then you get, you know, I, I thank God for the, the, you know, indie, indie music bloggers that didn't just sugarcoat things and told me the truth, you know, um, um, you know, I would, I would, I, I remember a lot through like the first five years, because I've always tried to send my stuff around to just get it, you know, published or whatever to just get exposure. But, uh, I think in like 2013 or 14, uh, I actually sent an album to Anthony Fantano, um, uh, from the needle drop. If you haven't watched any of his videos. Um, and he's like, definitely, I think he knows what he's talking about, uh, as far as like what's good music and what's not. And he knows, he can tell you why or why he does or doesn't like something. So, um, I sent him a record that I'd worked on just cause I was like, I didn't want, I wasn't like asking for a video interview. I genuinely wanted to know like, what do you think of this and how can I improve? And, and, um, he straight up just told me like, yeah, I mean, thanks for reaching out. It sounds kind of like Mac DeMarco demos to me and you need to figure the drum stuff out. He didn't say stuff. He said another word for that, but, uh, but I took that to heart, you know? And, um, he was also really encouraging. He didn't just say that one sentence. Um, in playing and producing for almost 11 years, Josh has made music under a few different names at this point, which has been somewhat to his detriment, he said, as people are often confused by the different names. But there's a reason behind it. Josh had a conversation with a friend of his who said if he produced music under his own name and it wasn't good, people would always associate that with his name. But if he started a band and the band fails, he can just move on to another project and switch the name. And the band name sounded cooler than his own, he said. So first band I was in was called Quality Strangers and we made like ambient drone music um, so basically just like put people to sleep <laughs> take a nap uh, and then I had a project called Fiery Crash and that was named after an Andrew Bird song uh, of the same name and I had as well like a kind of home recorded uh pop music, just kind of weird project called Summer Rooms, uh, which I started in like 2014, I think. Uh, and then eventually, uh, I settled on the title Make Sure, and that was a, that was a song name I had come up with like years ago, and there wasn't really anything particular about the song that has deep meaning for me or anything. I just liked how it's two syllables. Somehow it wasn't taken. It's like a common phrase that people use a lot. So, And it also, it sounded like it could kind of house a lot of different sounds, like genres maybe. Because um, I try and do a little bit of genre hopping here and there, not just do one singular thing all the time. So it sounded like, you know, make sure that, that, could, that could be a lot of different sounds. Um, so, that's, yeah, that's it. It's not like a super romantic answer uh, why I picked it, but... Uh, that's the story. The genres that Josh usually falls under are indie rock and indie pop, but he also appreciates when his songs get put in the emo playlist too, he said. While Make Sure is a solo project, Josh usually performs live with additional support. The lineup that we have for Tiger Fest is me, uh, Harry Kane on guitar, uh, Jamie Newsom playing bass, Hunter Jackson on drums, um, and then... Uh, Marina singing, uh, Presley, or Marina Gramindi, sorry. Marina Gramindi is her last name. Uh, Presley Elliott 
also singing, and Justin Rivers playing keys. So seven of us. It's quite a large set. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the biggest group I've ever played with, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Make Sure has a new album coming out September 3rd called Ninjutsu. You can find them on Spotify and Apple Music, as well as on Instagram. And here's Make Sure. This is Trice Brown, multimedia editor for The Plainsman. Here's your news for the week. Lee County Schools joined Auburn and Opelika school districts in requiring all individuals to wear masks indoors, due to what District Superintendent James McCoy said was a significant number of COVID-19 cases in the first week and a half of classes. The district previously encouraged individuals to wear masks, but did not require them. In a statement made Friday, Auburn head football coach Brian Harson announced that he has tested positive for COVID-19. While he isolates at home, assistant coach Jeff Schmetting will serve as interim head coach. Dr. Fred Cam, director of the Auburn University Medical Clinic, said the university is ready to offer booster shots of the coronavirus vaccine once they are publicly authorized. The CDC issued guidance on Wednesday for those with Moderna or Pfizer vaccines that booster shots may be necessary to renew protection against COVID-19, as studies have shown that their effectiveness decreases over time. The agency said that it aims to make booster shots available starting the week of September 20th and that individuals should receive a booster shot eight months after their second dose. This has been your news for the week. Now, back to the show. Supper Club, who formed in Auburn, is made up of Jackson Dupree on bass, guitar, and vocals, Robert Cohen on guitar and vocals, Griffin Smiley on guitar, bass, and vocals, and Billy Pruitt on drums. They split the singing pretty equally, they said, and have come a long way in the harmony game in the last year. Here's Griffin. His brother-in-law is like a fantastic musician, like perfect pitch, crazy good. Yeah, I think... I think the first harmony that we like really learned, we were doing stuff at the sound wall last year in like November, December, and we we're gonna do two live recordings of uh, two songs. We're like, dude, we gotta have harmonies on this. Like, things would really make the song. So he came along, and like pretty much just wrote the, ma- wrote the harmonies and then just like record it for us over the the melody, and like we just practiced and practiced it. Um, and here's Jackson. I feel like the awakening kind of came after we listen to parcels for the first time yeah. it's like a band from australia who just have like immaculate harmonies and it adds so much to their music and we we're like what are we doing <laughs> like especially on recorded stuff like you have so much time to figure that out and we just like weren't doing it yeah. so then like we we're like let's put a little more focus while they formed in auburn billy jackson and robert grew up together in birmingham where they played together as a seventh grade cover band called lamb the lion Robert met Griffin at Auburn, and after all becoming friends, they formed Supper Club two years ago and started playing live shows. They fall into a lot of categories, but the one thing they aren't is a jam band, Jackson said, which is especially important when they were starting out. And that was like the point, like we have a, our slogan, not a jam band, because we only had like, like 10 songs maybe, and we were playing for like two to three hours, so we just... <laughs> Stretch a song. <laughs> we just stretch a song for like, like twenty minutes. 
Right. Most of the guys from Supper Club got their inspiration from different places, they said. Billy's uncle was a drummer in some local bands, and his mom made his uncle give him drum lessons as a kid. Jackson's brothers were very musical, and introduced him to Rush, where he saw that a bassist could be a frontman. Robert and Griffin, though, attribute their interest in music to Guitar Hero, where they would try and learn Metallica and Rush songs. Here's Griffin. Guitar Hero might have been a big influence on me, too. I remember Daniel, you know, Daniel Donato is? No. He's like a... He's like an Instagram guitarist, kind of. Like, pretty young, though. Like, younger than us. And, like, I remember him... I listened to a podcast one time, and he was talking about, like, anyone that's, like, age, like, 18 to 25 is, like, the Guitar Hero generation. But it's, like, at some point, there's, like, a little bit of influence of Guitar Hero on every guitarist. So maybe maybe that's it. And then my uncle, he's a, he's kind of, like, a super manly man. He's, like, personal contractor. He's a preacher. And he, like... I wouldn't know... I don't know if I called a... Elvis cover band or like tribute band but like a little bit like he kind of sounds like Elvis and he's, he's a man but just like really loves Elvis and like I remember at family gatherings and stuff like he would always like play guitar for everyone and then he gave me my first guitar and gave me a few lessons and stuff um and then I kind of put it away like I got that in like fifth grade and then really didn't start playing until like eighth grade um never like was in a band until this band so it kind of came just naturally after me and Robert started talking one day. We met each other in freshman year, and like, dude, we should form a band. And here we are now. Supper Club's music draws from all different sources and is influenced by each of the individual members' music tastes. Starting out, someone would bring a song to the studio, and they'd record it without changing anything. But now, they all edit and cut up their ideas, each of them adding something unique. Their upcoming EP, they said, has a lot of Young the Giant in it which has roots all the way back to seventh grade. Here's Robert. I think what actually got me into music and what made me want to, like got me into like modern music, made me want to make it was Young the Giant, their first album. Yeah. Me and Jackson listened to them in like seventh grade and were completely obsessed with them. Uh-huh. Um, they were like the first modern band I had ever heard. And that was like Princess forming the cover band. And Land the Lion, our seventh grade band, <laughs> Jackson Billy yeah. was just like wanting to be young the giant. Yeah. <laughs> and here's Jackson. Yeah. And that was like the transition from like an era of like Lil Wayne and Skrillex. <laughs> they were actually kinda the same period for me. Yeah, like it was like all in on dubstep and then like we heard like strings by Young the Giant in like seventh grade and it was and they were like seemed like just super cool dudes like playing music that was really good and it was like oh dang like I think that was like introduction to like band band yeah even from the beginning the guys all knew that putting out music and being invested in the process was the goal just like they are in a jam band they didn't want to wait until they had an album's worth of music before they started performing again here's Jackson I, th I think that was always the goal, yeah. and it was just like filling in the gaps while we're headed there. Kind of like, like we didn't want to wait to be a band till after we had like 13 songs that we could play live. It was like, let's just start going for it, and then like write songs along the way. Mm -hmm. And our first like three songs that are on Spotify right now. Under Supper Club music, go check them out. <laughs> 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 but, 
Um, but they're very different because we each wrote them individually and didn't really bring like, like, didn't really have our sound yet, I guess. And then as we've been writing songs, we've been falling into a more cohesive sound. The process is always in motion, they said. They hit the ground running and don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Here's Billy. You know, we got another EP coming out, but we're already, the EP's not even out, we're already writing another EP or album, whatever it's going to be. So we're just kind of constantly writing, and like they said, too, it's it kind of started as like an individual, we're all writing songs separately and bringing them to the table, and now it's much more cohesive, and we have songwriting sessions, and it's it's a much more collaborative effort now, so it's, it's a lot of fun. And here's Robert. Like we're always, like, one step ahead of where we actually actually appear like mm-hmm. live and i guess publicly yeah like when we first started and we were we had like two original songs that we play live and everything else was just like really really rough covers <laughs> we were already planning on being in the studio and then like i don't know trying to put out an ep right now that we're really proud of but also trying to balance time between writing newer New music stuff. and and playing pretty much every week through October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. The name, Supper Club, is a little bit of an homage to a place in Auburn that used to be called the War Eagle Supper Club. While it's closed now, they used to host live music and became pretty infamous in the Auburn music scene for its ability to attract big national acts. Here's Billy. There should be a bus that would pick you up from downtown. It was like a bar venue. It was a pretty like, infamous place. I mean, my grandparents yeah. went to it when they went here, and our parents all talked about it. And, it was just the place to go see live music in Auburn for forever, and it closed down a few years before we formed, and we thought it'd be kind of cool because we're an Auburn band. We formed in Auburn, like, this place influenced our sound and, like, us a lot, so we thought it'd be cool to kind of play, kind of pay tribute to that. So, War Eagle Supper Club, we just said Supper Club. He actually, Robert was the one who came up with the name, I'm pretty sure, because he had a War Eagle Supper Club t-shirt, and we're like, it's pretty cool, and it's like an Auburn thing, so... Supper Club has a new EP coming out this September, and they have a live recording of their second album on YouTube. And here's Supper Club. The first thing you notice when you walk into Harry Kane's living room is that he no longer has one. He has a live room, a very important distinction. A large window is covered with 100 pounds of mass-loaded vinyl, a soundproofing material. Heavy black curtains separate the room from the rest of the house. There's drums and microphones and just a sea of wires. He calls it Magnolia Records Studio A. Harry's journey into music started young. He said he started learning to play guitar around 7 or 8 and soon began writing his own songs. I mean, by the age of 12, I was playing two-hour original music only like coffee house shows. I don't know what happened, but I just was somewhere between the age of like nine and 11, I just started pumping out songs. Mm -hmm. So wrote just a bunch of songs, hundreds of songs. Harry said his early songwriting was largely a way for him to process what was going on in the world around him and with himself. He said he can be overly analytical and songwriting allowed him to get outside of his own head. Definitely writing can, uh, can pull me out of my own, my own muck and mess of, um, of thought. 
mm-hmm. um, and just and just put me in a place where I'm simply emoting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I write that down and I sing it out and I record it, you know. And then usually that comes out in the form of uh, like voice memos, you know. So if we go and check out these, vo- I mean, I've. At this point, Harry pulls out his phone, opens his voice memos, and scrolls down more and more and more past hundreds of audio clips, most of them unlabeled. You know, it it allows me to um, to get out of my own head, mm-hmm. and uh, and and but still get get the essence, you know, get the essence out. Um, yeah. And then, and really, when when I'm writing, like this is all this is what I like to call vomit. You know, mm-hmm. like all of this, which is kind of gross, you know, kind of gross yeah. and vulgar, but yeah. you know, like all of this just non, you know, like who knows what's going on. Yeah. It's notes at poetry, and all of essentially. This. Yeah, it's just, I mean, what's going on here? You know, I don't know. Some of the, like that yeah. could become a little, you know, just you know that could become a little vibey thing. Who knows? Um, like catchy enough melody to make something, but yeah. there are thousands of those, you know. And and the art of finishing is something I'm still learning, <laughs> for sure. This is Harry's writing process. Spew. It's a process that often happens in his car. He doesn't listen to music there. Instead, taking time to sit and think and often pray. And yeah. in that vacancy and in that silence, you know, things will start creeping up and emotions, like mm-hmm. emotions that I haven't let myself feel will start to creep up. Yeah. And it's just kind of ticking around in my brain and then, you know, I just, it'll just catch and I'll start singing a melody, you know, and then I take that back here and I have a studio to make, yeah. <laughs> to make the music, mm-hmm. you know, to do the rest of it. Harry began producing at the end of high school because he wanted to produce personal projects he had and he didn't want to pay someone else to do it. So through YouTube, as well as lots of trial and error, Harry learned how to produce, how to mix, everything he needed. When other people heard what he did with his own music, they wanted him to do that for them. Pretty soon, producing for other people became a way to make some money while also justifying his investment in all the equipment he already bought. Now, at Magnolia Records Studio A, Harry's bedroom is now his control room, with a huge analog console, some instruments in his laptop where everything is recorded onto. He's even converted his closet into a sound booth. Here's a little mm-hmm. booth. Okay. Area. Nice. It's a little disheveled, but... Um, Are your clothes back there? Where, where's, like, your yeah, so, living space? So I did... Yeah, it's like... It's kind of less... My thought process over the summer was, uh, it was like less studio or less home, more studio, (laughs) you know? So what I did is I took all my clothes and I turned them sideways and I hang them like this. And similarly, again, they act as bass traps. So just hanging mass absorbs energy. So when I come, when you come in here, it's like Mm -hmm. same thing. It's super, super dry, but without all this stuff, um, and I have more and you can see back here, Mm -hmm. like I've got another... Another panel, oh, yeah. and my jackets and stuff, and just <laughs> miscellaneous things to just absorb sound. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can get a really tight and dry vocal. A lot of Harry's work as a producer involves understanding the vision of the artist and finding a way to achieve that. When he starts working with an artist, they'll get to know each other, 
and Harry will find out what kind of music they love and what makes them want to be alive. Being a producer is often being a facilitator, and small details, like Philip's hue lights and his closet-turned-sound booth, help artists get in the right mindset to make their best product. You know, I have certain artists where they don't really care. Like, yeah. they're like, just, you know, just give me some lights, that's cool. But some artists go crazy, you know, like the mm -hmm. whole reason they come back to my studio, I think yeah. is because they were so, they were so happy about, like, they stepped in the booth and I dimmed the lights and I was like, hey, what color do you think this song is? You know, and they're like, well, you know, it's like, okay, for example, one song was called Love Like Spring, you know, so mm -hmm. I made, like, some nice green yeah. hue lights come up in the, in the vocal booth and, and just created a vibe. Yeah. Um, that pulled out the best performance from that artist, you know, making them comfortable. Harry still writes his own music, and as he's gotten older, it's changed. Now, it's less about trying to make sense of the world, because in many ways, he already has through his faith. Now, he's trying to externalize that through his music. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know something. That I yeah. can play it here, but but it's like uh, the chorus is like. So maybe you could call him a Goliath, and maybe he's a little bit headstrong, and maybe he's in need of a messiah, and maybe he already got one, got one, got one. Maybe we already got one. Harry said that his experience with Auburn's music scene, whether it's through Sonic Nation, the university's commercial music ensemble, shows at bars and coffee shops, or house shows, it's affected him as an artist. There, yeah, there's just like, uh, just so many amazing mus musicians that mm -hmm. I didn't know. Yeah. Um, and I've, you know, kind of been uncovering them slowly. Like my roommate, uh, mm -hmm. Josh Jackson. So mm -hmm. he's, he's like the main guy of Make Sure. Mm -hmm. um, like he is Make Sure. Um, pretty nice. much, but I mean, you know, he's put out like 10 records or something and yeah, just yeah. a beast of a producer, like the, yeah. by far the best producer I've met, mm. uh, in Auburn. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, so I just try to like identify all those people mm -hmm. and keep them close. Yeah. So now he's like living across, across the hall. <laughs> From the Auburn Plainsman, this has been Sweet 1111. I'm Trice Brown, signing off. See you next week. Oh, Angelina, woke up next to you in bed I barely know you, but I got an idea in my head And your father is a pastor, mine